mind, body, spirit. The martial arts are a way of life. Attack Life, Not Others is an insight into that life with Tim Hoover and Steve Mittman. Our special guest today is Sensei Steve Tarosi. He has developed over the years what he calls the rules of fighting. Just as a brief introduction, tell us why you developed those, Steve. The rules for fighting, I thought I would apply to fighting, but life is a fight. Right. So they have to apply universally. You know, it's funny. I think about how we do these shows. I mean, we're pushing into our 70th episode. And sometimes I think about, what was his name, Mr. Rogers? Yeah, Fred Rogers. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And this is kind of like, you know, my neighborhood here. There's so much, you know, wealth of knowledge, so much experience. The well really never runs dry. Before we get into this, the rules, I just want to say this to the listeners. This is a man that I know well and can go back 35 years or so. But three and a half years ago, something hit him that almost knocked him out. This is a guy that I could never physically knock out. I tried to knock out many times. (laughs) But at the end of the day, he was in the hospital with a stroke, and he lost his ability to speak. So we have this thing in our dojo, and many martial arts schools have, too. We're, We're blood brothers and blood sisters. When stuff happens, we're there, especially, especially when something like of this nature. So after a week or so of observation, he couldn't speak. He could only write to tell you what he meant and what he felt, what he wanted to say. So I decided to come in with his writings, which he had created years prior. And we sat there and slowly pronounced the words. This was a man that uh, we didn't know if he's going to be able to speak again. Try not talking for a day or two. Try that. See how that works for you. All right. So you talk about adversity. He started to slowly grasp the words through little steps. He got into full sentences and paragraphs, and you're going to hear him speak today. Um, Is it perfect? Is anything perfect? No, but it's 99.9% there. And I think our idea of perfection is we never catch the carrot. We just chase it, chase it our whole life. So thanks again, Steve. I appreciate you being here. Thank you, Tim. My pleasure. So, Steve, before I turn this over to you as far as the 10 fighting rules and the principles of the dojo, the way we handle ourselves in the dojo versus universally in life, it's so important to have a philosophy, an idea, because the way we think is the way we're going to be. And if you don't come into the dojo or if you don't come into life or if you don't wake up in the morning with a right mindset, you're going to get yourself in trouble real quick. And I've seen you bounce back, never give up, stay strong, never say die, have that warrior spirit. So many times in life, and this comes to these 10 rules, which you wrote and pulled from different sources. They're rules that we have in the martial arts dojo, but also they are uh, the kind of rules that you can follow in life, the way you live your life, which is, again, what this show is all about. So I'm going to let you take it from here. Rule number one. Rule number one is kind of universal. It's always be in control. Mm -hmm. Anything that you do, always be in control. When you get out of control, you make mistakes. Things happen that you don't want to happen. So always be in control. Right. Number two, again, when anger arises, think of the consequences. It kind of goes hand in hand with control. You've got to quell those angry urges. Somebody comes up and says something to you or does something to you. You start getting that feeling that you want to take this person. Things happen that you don't want to happen. Always seem to happen 
when anger takes control of your emotions. And it always escalates. Always. And I think it's some people will identify, especially if they're in the martial arts, others maybe differently. But you're in the dojo, you bow in, you hit fists and you start. All of a sudden you take a kick and it's heavy. Now your energy goes up, your anger goes up. So the minute that happens, you lose control. Anger management comes out. If you don't take control of that real quick, which is respect and so on, you're going to lose. You're going to lose big time. And I think that's something we can carry over again to everyday life. What about number three? Master the basics and you will be a good fighter. So many people get caught up in spinning hook kicks or flying kicks or keeping their hands down. So if you master the basics, you're going to be a competent fighter. You're going to be better than competent. You're going to be a good fighter. You get into trouble when you start overstepping your bounds. Yeah. And in life, it's the foundation of everything. It's the foundation. It's the basement of the house. It supports everything else. Everything. Everything that you do. Number five. Uh, actually, we're on number four. Number four. <laughs> the, number uh, four. Sorry. Number four is one that I made up. It's technique before speed, not speed without technique. Right. Everybody thinks that faster is better. Accuracy is better. Technique is better. When you throw a punch, you got to get those body parts working in harmony so that you can get 100% of your power behind it. Direct that punch or that kick or that knee or that block. Speed is just ultimate efficiency. Carrying that over to life, if you're efficient, streamlined, becoming proficient at the basics, you actually become more efficient. And therefore, when we're talking martial arts, you're faster. But even in life, you're not necessarily faster, but you're more effective. And two things that cause, I would call fake speed, is ego drives you ahead of something because you would do it better or faster or whatever. And the other thing is nerves or anxiety. You tend to do things quicker or jump to the higher end when you shouldn't. When we started these podcasts, you start saying, it's better if you slow down your speech. It's better in a conversation to slow down. Somebody's angry. Slow down. Let's talk this through. Let's take this back to the point of origin from the beginning. That's what I love about these. They all mesh into one. Developing technique requires laborious practice. Sure it does. you got to go over a technique again and again till you feel even somewhat comfortable with it. So uh, technique before speed, just like Steve said, they go hand in hand. And what does it create at the end? Patience. Patience. Yeah. Now we're on number nine. <laughs> <laughs> I think ahead. it's five. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, this one was drawn from my baseball background. I've been playing baseball my whole life. You can't think it hit at the same time. It can mean baseball. It can also mean martial arts. So you, you can't think something through that should become instinctive to you at some point in time. Everybody has to learn. You have to take the practice time to uh, become proficient. But that practice time should become instinct. And instinct means that you can't think about it. You can't give it a quarter of a second to hit a baseball at 80 miles an hour. You can't really think and hit at the same time, which is universally applied I like that one a lot. But then again, that goes back. You said the word laborious. It's true. I mean, you got to put the time in. When the time comes to perform, if you will, that's not the time to think. You got to do that work where it's not glamorous. It's the blood, sweat, tears, honing your craft. I mean, it's going to carry over to everything. Number six. That's one that I drew. I have some friends who are uh, Navy SEALs, retired Navy SEALs. They recommended a book called The Finishing School, Earning the Navy Seal Trident by Dick Couch, a great book. Okay. A lot of these were adopted from some of the things that were in that book. And one is, if an attacker is within striking distance, then so are you. With the book, it talked about bullets 
I'm talking about just striking distance. Mm. So I adapted it to if an attacker is within striking distance, you're vulnerable too. If he puts his hands out and hits you before you hit him, you're not successful. Yeah, I see that sometimes. You know, that's a pet peeve with me. The way people train so lethargic, sometimes so slow, especially when they study their technique. It's just not real. And so if, if you're in distance, if you can see the attacker, they can see you, and they're trying to get into your space, they're going to jump at warp speed. So you got to train at warp speed. And reality is, is you got to train as if it is reality, not let that get out of your head, you know? So You don't have a fight if you're so far away from somebody else, unless they have a gun or something, you don't have a fight. Right. Excellent. Number seven. Even a poor chess player will sometimes make a remarkable move. You have a novice, a white belt. They fight so unconventionally that you might get hit or kicked by something that you didn't expect because there are no expectations. You can't underestimate anybody. They all have the potential to, uh, to hurt you, to hit you, make you look foolish. Really not how you want to train. Bruce Lee was one to say that. There's always an instinctive fighter. I don't care how much martial arts you teach and you train. There's some that are going to come in here with no background and being really out of rhythm. Then there's going to be just these great fighters who will who are just going to rip you apart because they're just all head first. They're going to come at you like a bull. And when you're training a white belt, you don't expect that. The rhythm is different. The timing's different. I think it's good for any martial artist to actually, especially if you're up in rank, always fight and engage with a white belt because you're dealing with somebody that's not in your rhythm, carrying it over. You're in a conversation with somebody, the rhythm's a little different. You got to be patient. You got to listen and observe first before you start to move and just conditionally think that that rhythm is going to be the same as yours. Even to the point where someone will ask you a question that you're totally not prepared for. It happens to work all the time. Always be on your toes. Always. Good. Where are we at? Eight? Train like you fight and fight like you train. And that's one from the uh, Navy SEAL book. Train like you fight and fight like you train. You say people are going through the motions, going slow, they're dropping their hands. That also makes me think of character, though. And you said this the other day, Tim, that, you know, you are the same way all the time behind closed doors that you are in front of, uh, you know, 100 people. And and then the true test of a person's character, they always say, is how he acts when he thinks no one's watching. And that's similar to that. Train like you fight, fight like you train. Number nine. You cannot be a good fighter. If you are always afraid of what might happen, you got to own up what's happening and you got to make it happen. You do. And the thing is, is I think fear steps in the way in everything. And so if not in the dojo, in life, it limits us to become who we really should be. It gets in the way and says, oh, you can't do this or you're going to get hurt. It's the intellect. The intellect comes in and starts to size everything up. But you don't get better by fighting a lesser. You get better by fighting a better. In anything. Yes, in anything. Playing tennis, anything. Anything, yeah. I've always said that you got two things to make a successful day. You got to learn one thing every day and you got to teach one thing every day. Take anybody, make them rise above where they were at. That's a good day. That's a contribution. Yes. Absolutely. And then 10 is be diverse. Set yourself up for success. You can't just say, I'm, I'm going to stay in this niche. I'm going to uh, follow that path. There's lots of paths you can follow. It doesn't mean it's going to be deviating from your ultimate goal. It's just going to contribute to the ultimate goal and make you smarter, stronger, able to contribute more. If you're diverse, you're certainly setting yourself up looking for new experiences that are going to make you uh, a better person or a stronger person. Uh, so stay focused on the goal. 
but go with the flow because it's not going to be a straight path toward that goal. Always be willing to learn something from somebody. Yeah, and you, know, you can. We talk about learning even from a negative point of view. What's that person doing? I don't want to do that. You're still learning from a yin and a yang point of view. Sometimes, and I know it's so easy as a leader, sometimes you feel you have to lead all the time. But sometimes a good leader will lead from the back, from behind. And then that way they can see what's in front of them and see, you know, what they have developed and how their students are performing in anything, in anything, in the corporate world or in the martial arts world. Um, I just want to finish this by just saying that, you know, in the beginning of the show, I mentioned how, you know, this is so, so much like, you know, welcome to Mr. Rogers neighborhood and welcome to all the different people that I have uh, been fortunate enough and blessed enough to meet, including you, Sensei Steve and you, Sensei Steve. Over the years, they have electrified my life through the experiences and the relationships. But living these 10 rules, they're hard. And a lot of people over the last 35, 38 years have given up at times, and some have come back. Sometimes I feel I'm more of a salesman than a sensei. I'm promoting this idea, and sometimes you just got to lay it out there, and you got to get on the mat and let it work and give it time and give it patience and follow and think of some of these 10 rules. Maybe you don't want to try to take all of them. Just take one of them, two of them, and think about what the wisdom is, and they may help you. And if they do, then that's why we're here. About three and a half years ago, the rules were fighting. You brought them over to uh, my hospital room, and I took them home. That's when I uh, had to learn how to speak again. So actually, you guys <sighs> helped me out, and the rules for fighting were something that helped me out to verbalize them and refamiliarize myself with them. And not only would I read them they were thought-provoking. Uh, I had a lot of time to think at that point in time, and uh, they became good friends of mine. These are years in the making. As you said, these yes. didn't just come to you overnight. There's a lot to those words. I can tell you put a lot of thought into all of those. And it's so true. They can apply to way more than just the dojo atmosphere. It does apply to life. And when you think about it, I think you said this in the beginning of the show, that life is a fight. You're fighting whether you realize it or not. It doesn't have to be negative, but you got to attack life. It is a fight. So these are applicable to everyday life. Thank you for sharing them with us. Yeah, thanks, Steve. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Attack Life, Not Others. Subscribe to our podcast. And for more on our way of life through the martial arts, go to hooverkarate.com. This has been a Steve Mittman social media creation. 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 Steve Mittman social media.com. Dot com. Dot com. Dot com.